that spirit, that same spirit is speaking to us today in God's word. And as we hear it in the book of Revelation in chapter 2 this morning, uh, we get an image of relationship and of love. And the Bible does that often throughout the scripture relating our relationship with God to the uh, relationship that we have in this world, in marriage, for example, throughout the scriptures. Now, whether you are married or formally married or hoping to be married, this image of connectedness in Christ is for all of us. For example, imagine a marriage where the couple did everything right, was faithful, faithful to the end, to one another, but didn't experience love. Something would be missing, right? When I was being trained in the seminary some years ago, a pastoral uh, counselor shared a story with us about one such couple. They had been married, I think, nearly five decades. They had just received word that one of them would soon, sometime in the next month or months or year, enter life eternal. And they didn't want to end their marriage on this earth like it had been, for they had realized as faithful as they had been to one another, that much resentment and heartache had built up over the years. And so they came remarkably to this counselor seeking help. And what they discovered as they began to unpack and share with one another their lives is that there was truth that needed to be spoken to each other that they had not ever heard or truly received and in sharing that truth they were able to sometimes through tears confess and then do the next step forgive one another and in that repenting and reconciling grace it brought about something new something new was recreated reborn Something beautiful. For we learn about marriage as Timothy Keller writes in his book, The Meaning on Marriage, that love without truth is just sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but it, it never gets us to the truth because we deny our flaws. And therefore, there's a lack of connection. But truth without love is just simply harshness. It just gives information in such a way that most of us can't really hear it because it just comes so harshly. But God's saving love, he writes, is different in Christ. It's marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are and yet radical unconditional commitment to us. And so what if we apply this morning that experience in marriage as this couple experienced new life? What if we applied that experience to the church? And I think our text is doing that. 
as the letter is written to the church in Ephesus, in chapter 2 of Revelation, we discover some important things about them. We encounter a church who takes a stand in a culture where truth is fickle. A, A church that remembers that the word of God wins the argument. And this is no small thing. It was no small praise that Ephesus, the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire, the the capital city for Asia Minor, as you'll see it on the map on the cover of your bulletin or on your digital bulletin, and the center for business and culture and art, and yes, pagan worship and itinerant, Preachers who would come, especially in these burgeoning churches, even in an established church like the one in Ephesus, and bring sometimes a truth like the Nicolaitans did that was false. And this church remained true to God's word. And so it was no small praise indeed. But Jesus told the church he had one thing against them. Unlike what had been said of them when Paul wrote to the church in the letter to Ephesians, they had lost their first love. They were a church doing, like that couple, everything right. They were checking the boxes. They were going to Bible studies, but not really caring about the person next to him. They were feeding the hungry, but not really loving the people they were feeding because they weren't loving the Lord who had given them this gift. They were doing all the right things, but they were missing out on this great gift of love. And so these letters were sent out to the seven churches for all the churches to learn from each church just as we all receive the word together and we learn this important note and we learn these important words together to certainly hear that good thing of persevering and doing the right thing but also to surely hear today that it's more than just checking boxes It is experiencing the love that Christ has for us. Is your relationship with Jesus like that? Maybe like that couple where you've done the right things, checked the right boxes, made sure, and this is important in our world today, to believe the right things. This is no small thing to remain anchored to the truth of God's word, but it's not enough your wife knows when you're dialing in your kids know when you're barely listening your teacher knows when you just turn the work in to get the grade but don't really love the subject there's a difference about passing on our faith when our kids see their parents not just 
doing their devotions to get one more day marked off as another consecutive day in the Bible app or seeing them fall in love with Jesus as much as they love golf or fishing or whatever other pastime. And notice, as in the case of the Ephesians, as in the case of this couple, it requires not just truth, which is crucial, essential, but it requires truth and grace. The law and the gospel. We need the full counsel of God, both law and gospel. And when both are there, something beautiful is reborn. And so we hear in these verses in chapter 2, God has a restoration plan. And to understand that plan, we have to see the whole message of the book of Revelation. To understand the whole message, we need to see how it's connected, as is the whole word of God. For example, I was interested in learning from one scholar that of the 337 sentences in the book of Revelation, 245 of them, or for those who like to do the math, 73.9% of them, begin with the word and, or chi in Greek. And, connecting that message to the next. And, connecting and connecting and so what we hear in chapters 1 through 3 are connected to the images in chapters 4 through 22 to remain in Christ the seven lampstands the seven churches that is with the seven stars or signs which are the angels of those churches we need to hear these words together with truth and grace with law and gospel and recover our first love otherwise we'll be like that church in Corinth some people call chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians the uh, love chapter but really it should be called the rebuke chapter because in 1 Corinthians 13 a passage that we often hear at weddings The Apostle Paul is rebuking the church for not loving. He said, you just sound like a clanging gong. And so we are invited today, dear friends, to recover this first love. As we heard in chapter 1, Jesus is our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end. Human life has meaning Humans on this planet have significance and meaning because we have a beginning, a God who is our Alpha, who created us and made us in the image, His image, who is and was and is to come. And therefore, we can endure with that good news of a God who made us with purpose and meaning and persevere because He's also our Omega our end, whether the trials and difficulties are like taxes that some of us had to face this last week, or much bigger than that, brokenness and loss that some of you had to face this week. 
or even persecution like the church in Ephesus would face. Because he's our omega, our end, we can endure in, as one pastor put it, in the middle. And our life, therefore, isn't described around our circumstances. Instead, we know because of the beginning and the end, we can endure. If it's just the beginning, then we get mad at God. We're like, well, well, I did all of these things that I was supposed to do. I checked all those boxes. Then why are these bad things happening to me? But when we remember he is our omega, we remember that success or not, circumstance good, joyous, or terrible, we can remain in him and experience his peace. And he sustains us because we know what is to come. Now, with his presence and later. That not even death we proclaim in this Easter season can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's how these early Christians could remain through intense persecution. And so the letter here to Revelation in chapter 2 elevates the language to let us know of Christ's elevated stature as king. And so when you hear those words, let him who has ears, as we translate it, it is from a, a Greek phrase that would have been obscure and even archaic then. As if uh, we were speaking in Shakespearean English, in Greek. Thus saith the Lord, right? They would have heard that something significant is going on, something elevated in language to know that this is significant, this elevation of who Christ is. So let's go back to that marriage analogy to see how it fits into our lives. That first love, as we hear in this text, I like how Pastor John Lynn, in preaching on this text uh, a few years ago, uh, tackles it by looking at the, the marriage vows. And so uh, I'll extend how he, he, he analogized it like this. Marriage vow isn't when, and I've never heard, by the way, a marriage vow like this in leading a, a wedding. Uh, uh, I will vow to be with you as long as things are good and I feel okay about it, right? No, it's for better or for worse in every circumstance. In the same way, our relationship with God is in every season of joy or hardship or even persecution or even bearing the cross. Marriage is also exclusive between a husband and a wife. Not just until someone else comes along, right? In the same way, our Heavenly Father tells us in the Ten Commandments that I am the Lord your God and you shall have no other God except me. It's also something that we share extravagantly with one another. Oftentimes when marriages break down, it's around finances. I don't want to share this part of me. 
But God invites us to share extravagantly with him. You know, when you're early dating days, you have no problem spending a lot of money taking uh, your uh, beloved or betrothed out to dinner. You want to shower them. It's that kind of extravagant first love response that God invites of us. Certainly with wisdom. I remember on our honeymoon, I wanted it to be special, so I called the hotel that uh, Joy and I would stay at on that uh, first night after we were married, and I said, I want you to put the best bottle of champagne that you have on ice and have it in the hotel room. Then they told me how much that bottle of champagne would cost, right? And so I said, well, how about your next best bottle? God invites us to give with that kind of passion and enthusiasm, but also with wisdom in the station that he has placed us in. And so we share And we seek that first love. But how do we recover it? Well, we find out it's from law and gospel, truth and grace. Whether you have experienced a marriage like that Christ is designing here or brokenness, there is hope with your relationship with Christ to be reborn to experience your first love. There are hard times and things aren't always easy. And this passage in Revelation 2 is weighty for he says that in the significance of this image, the lampstand could be removed if we miss out on this love. He says to us that As we continue this analogy, like in marriage, wouldn't you stand up for your spouse in public being ridiculed? We, in like manner, stand up for our Lord and Savior with this word of truth, but also with love. If you are looking for a rebirth, this kind of transcendence in your life when it comes to your alpha and omega, and I'm not just talking about marriage now anymore. I'm talking about real transformation by Christ our Lord, who says it was possible for the church in Ephesus to recover their first love for him. Then come to Jesus and experience today this kind of mind-blowing butterfly in your stomach, I will walk through walls for you kind of relationship with Jesus. If like the church in Ephesus or like that couple married for decades, you've experienced resentment and brokenness and hurt, then come to the one who makes all things new. Then come to Jesus and ask his Holy Spirit to rekindle that love with his word of truth. As we'll hear in Revelation 22 later, with not one word added or retracted, then come to Jesus and be anchored in that truth and yet 
offers up his full gift of mercy. Come back to your first love, Jesus, who wants you to be born again. Not law or gospel, but law and gospel. Not truth or love, but truth and love. As we walk a Jesus-shaped life together with God and with each other and the people we encounter, come to Jesus who has prepared his restoration plan for you today, wherever you're at, wherever you've come from, whatever you've experienced, whatever brokenness you've walked through. Jesus says, the Spirit of God says in Revelation 22 to you, come and let the one who hears, there's that word again, come and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. He who testifies these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so, friends, today, I invite you to come to Jesus and experience that grace, that truth, that first love. Amen.